Ghost stories are synonymous with abandoned places, old places and buildings, sites where tragedy occurred. Sometimes it's just an iconic or historic place, and it makes it very easy to believe that after so much time has passed, so much history occurred, that the presence of those who walked there long before us might be lingering. Sometimes there are legends of paranormal activity at locations that have very little history. For example, one of the homes in which I lived when I grew up. It was new construction in a residential neighborhood. No burial grounds, little history about that particular street. And we certainly never experienced anything that came close to a ghost story. But I learned from an old neighbor. After we moved out, the family who moved in were constantly experiencing paranormal activity and they claimed to have frequently seen the ghost of an older woman. My grandmother lived with us for a time. Sadly, she suffered ill health towards the end of her life and eventually had to move to a 24-hour care facility. She didn't pass away in our home, but I've often wondered if the ghost they saw was my grandmom. Had she come back to our house looking for us? In life, she never struck me as the sort of person who would linger. My grandfather passed when I was seven, then my grandmom when I was 14. I'm pretty sure when she passed away, she would have been much more interested in seeing my grandpop and her siblings who had passed on before her than lingering around a house she lived in for just a short period of time. It's hard to say why spirits linger. Could it be because it's a place they've lived their entire lives? There's such a level of comfort and familiarity inside those walls that they just can't bring themselves to leave. Or did tragedy befall them and result in their death, something so horrific that they just can't let go of the events that happened to them or around them before they passed on? Penhurst State School and Hospital is believed to be haunted. Amateur and professional ghost hunters have reported numerous experiences in buildings, on the grounds, and in the tunnels. Ghost Adventures investigated the property a number of years ago, and ghost detectives visited the Mayflower Building and Devon Hall in 2016. Some Penhurst ghost hunters claim spirits have touched them. They've felt the presence of invisible hands. They've been shoved from behind. Objects have been thrown at investigators. They've captured EVPs in various parts of the campus. And some even say they've seen shadow people. Your beliefs may be different than mine. They may be different than the people who investigate reportedly haunted places. I can tell you when I visited Penhurst in August, it felt heavy. There was an oppressive feeling. It was lighter sometimes and heavier at others, but I felt a weight on me no matter where I was. That's the only way I can think to describe it. I didn't see anything that I could call a paranormal experience. I believe what I felt was the weight of what happened at Penhurst State School and Hospital. I believe the pain and suffering is a tangible sensation you feel on your skin. And to me, it felt heavy. I also believe emotions leave an imprint. 80 years of emotions circulated through over 30 buildings at Penhurst. Even if you don't believe in hauntings or ghosts, it's hard to ignore the experiences of the residents at Penhurst and not at least have an open mind to the idea those experiences left an imprint on what remains in Spring City, Pennsylvania. This is part two of the continuing story of Penhurst State School and Hospital. In this episode, I'm joined by Jerry and Tracy Pauly, hosts of the Hillbilly Horror Stories podcast. I'm Dina Marie, your host on this twisted journey. Welcome to Twisted Philly. There's more mischief, mayhem, and nefarious goings on in the city of brotherly love than Billy Penn could have ever imagined. 
We've got it all here on the Twisted Philly Podcast. True crime, haunted history, the coolest and creepiest places to visit. Welcome Welcome to to Twisted Twisted Philly. Philly. In part one, we talked about Penhurst's layout, those first eight buildings that were placed near one another in the form of a large rectangle. More buildings were slowly added over time, and that area was called the Lower Campus. That's where the paranormal investigations, tours, and Halloween haunted attraction, known as Penhurst Asylum, are held. The Lower Campus is the oldest section of Penhurst. These buildings are 100 years old or more. Very few of them can be accessed because they are in such a terrible state of disrepair. When I toured the grounds with friends this summer, we walked a little farther than the lower campus to see the hospital. You couldn't enter the hospital or many of the other buildings, but we were able to walk around most of the lower campus. Some buildings were almost indiscernible at first. You didn't notice the red bricks hiding behind trees and vines. Ivy was everywhere. But as you got closer, you saw these hulking figures hiding in the forestry, so dense it looked like a jungle. We nearly walked past the old pool without even noticing it. I don't remember which one of us saw it first. So much of the property has been reclaimed by nature. You could breeze past something and miss it. When you pull up to Penhurst State School and Hospital, you see massive buildings in the distance that were once housing units. The buildings you'll notice at first are not the ones you can access. You'll wind around the lower campus until you wind up in a small parking lot near the Mayflower Building. That's one of the buildings we toured. The Mayflower Building is around 100 years old. It's one of the buildings included in the paranormal investigations at Penhurst State School and Hospital. In April, I'll be speaking with the team that run these events at Penhurst, including the Halloween attraction, Penhurst Asylum, the paranormal investigations, and the future of the property. During my initial conversation with the operations manager, he made a point of sharing the team at Penhurst are real advocates for the preservation of the site and sharing its true history. I'm looking forward to talking with him and some of the other staff next month and sharing that discussion with all of you. Besides Mayflower, there's the Quaker Building, also known as Building Q. The Quaker Building is one of the most frequently mentioned properties when people talk about paranormal experiences at Penhurst. So before I dive in any further, I'd like to invite Jerry and Tracy Polly, co-hosts of the paranormal podcast Hillbilly Horror Stories, to join me. How are you guys? We're good. We're doing great, honey. Thanks for having us. You should have called me. I could have came up with several other good ones for you. I'm sure you could have. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe ones that wouldn't have a dog barking in the background. That's all right. I got three dogs and a cat. She will be meowing any minute to try to get into the closet where I record. I would find it hard to believe there's any Twisted Philly listeners who don't know about your show. But before we get started, would you guys take a minute and let folks know about Hillbilly Horror Stories, where they can find you and Tracy? Well, obviously, it's any place that they're listening to you, they can find us. Basically, a paranormal show, for the most part. We do a little bit of true crime, if it's got a creepy aspect to it, or some unsolved uh, mysteries like Dyslaw Pass, something like that. But for the most part, we stick to the paranormal. We try to add a little bit of comedy to it and just have fun and not be so bleak. But uh, that's us. And the beauty of our show, like we say in our promo, is 
Tracy doesn't know the story of, that we're going to do. She doesn't even know the story we're doing this weekend. And I tell it, she reacts, and uh, we get that same feel as the audience member listening. Well, I think that's what our listeners are in for with this episode. I know you know at least a little bit about what we're talking about. Tracy, I don't know if you know much about it. So let me ask you guys, what do you know about Pennhurst State School and Hospital? Well, unfortunately, I know nothing. <laughs> so that's kind of the same with me. I mean, I've done some research. We were going to do a show on this back in December, and uh, I started reading up on it. And it was, as you said in your first episode, it's very hard to get through. And I just decided not to do it because there's a good paranormal aspect to it, but the history of it was uh, so depressing that it's it's something that I just chose not to do. We'll probably visit sometime in the future, but I would rather just sit in on your show and chime in than, <laughs> than have to go through all that research again on something that was as depressing as that story. Tracy, I'll give you a little bit of background. Pennhurst State School and Hospital was a state-approved, state-operated and funded facility for children and young adults suffering from intellectual and developmental disabilities. Mm-hmm. It opened in 1908, and it was instantly overcrowded, but it was really the 60s when people in Philadelphia and Pennsylvania got a glimpse of how bad the conditions were. They might have had space to hold 1,900 to 2,000 people, and they had three, almost 3,000 people oh there. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So you, yeah. So it's, some of the stories are very similar to what we heard when we toured Waverly, mm-hmm. right? Like people that probably had good intentions when they started and not enough funding, not enough staff, not enough caring staff. And so eventually it was closed down in 1987. It has sat abandoned for the last 30 years. So the first episode was about all of that, the history and, and the residents and what happened to them. There is a lot of paranormal, and a lot of the Twisted Philly listeners wanted to hear that as well as the history. So for me, Jerry, it was like, okay, I don't think I can talk about the paranormal stories with all of the history and and how important all that was. I needed to split it into two. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. We're going to be talking about some of the paranormal aspects of this place. And I think just like Waverly, you know, when you have a facility or a building where people have struggled, some of that energy gets left behind. You know, this the story listening to the uh, the first episode that you did, it reminded me a lot of the old story of Cropsey and uh, I believe it's Willowbrook when uh, Geraldo exposed that and Robert Kennedy toured it because we did a story on that. And I think that's one of the reasons why when I kind of dug into this when I decided not to do it because I know how tough that one was. And like you said, we, we did it as a bonus episode where we put the paranormal in with it. Of course, it was more... A little less paranormal, a little more true crime with the whole Cropsey incident in there. But the terror of what went on on every day there was way worse than any paranormal stories could be. Yeah, for sure. For sure. A lot of similarities to to Cropsey and Willowbrook. So I actually visited Pennhurst over the summer. If you go there now, guys, there were 30 buildings at one time. And now there's maybe 20. A lot of them have been demolished. Some of them have been taken over by the military for a veteran's home. So it's it's nice that there's something positive, right, coming out of this. I did a self-guided walking tour over the summer with a couple of friends and with Jeremy. And I was a little worried it might be like Waverly because I'm still terrified from Waverly. I will never get over that. Right. And that's another piece of our history that was just really difficult to go through. And when we toured Waverly, we toured it at night. There were no lights. It was a flashlight tour. Pennhurst was different. It was in the middle of August, in the middle of the afternoon. It was a beautiful sunny day. You didn't need flashlights. 
because there was so much ambient light everywhere we went. But in some ways, it was just as bad because even though it was a really hot, humid day, you'd get hit with a chill. So I want to start off talking about one of the buildings. It's called Quaker Hall. It's about 110 years old, and it was a residence hall for boys. This building has been reported as one of the most frequent locations with paranormal activity. People have said they've seen shadow people in Quaker, doors open and close on their own. Some people say they've seen rocking chairs moving back and forth on their own. Guys, what do you think about shadow people? We heard about them. It was one of my first times hearing about them on the fourth floor of Waverly. I have to say hearing because I refused to open my eyes. So if they were there, I didn't see them. I saw them myself and it was pretty... You did? Yes, I did. It was pretty wild when they had the person kind of walk up or actually down through the hall with their arms out to the side. And I didn't want to look at first, but I had to. And I did. I did see that. So it was pretty cool. Did it just look like a person's shadow moving across the hallway? Yes, yes. To me, it did. I mean, you could tell it was a person. I don't know if it was the same one or or what, but I did witness it. So I think I... Uh, tugged on Jerry's arm a few times <laughs> and like uh, look at this is this what I'm really seeing are you seeing it and I think you saw it didn't you Jerry yeah I think it was the the way they did that is they had it was a long corridor and there was very little light going through there and they would have somebody put their arms out as if they were making like an airplane motion and just walk slowly down the hall with their arms out and as they did that you could see the changes in light and that's kind of where it came from. So I'm not 100% sure that we were seeing shadow people or just not the way your the eyes and the lighting might play around with it. But everybody there tended to see the same thing. And the, and the guide told us what to expect and what we were going to see even before we saw it. So I, I'm kind of torn. It, it mm-hmm. I, I believe it. But then the further that I am away from it, the more I'm curious if it was just the light playing tricks on your eyes as opposed to being real shadow people. But there was also people that said they didn't see anything. That's true, too. In the same group. That's very similar to the reports that people make about shadow people in buildings that are left on the grounds at Penhurst State School. Jerry, I sent you a very short video last night that I found on YouTube. It was someone that was touring the Mayflower building. That's actually one of the buildings we were allowed to go in because when you can attend these events at Penhurst, and that's the only time I've been there was this this self-guided tour. There are very few places you're allowed to go in just because the buildings are in such a state of disrepair. It's dangerous, right? You could get hurt. There mm-hmm. could be some liability there. But in this building, the Mayflower, there was a someone who in, um, it was I think it was October 16th, 2011, they were filming on their cell phone just as they were walking around. So it was nothing really focused. It was, okay, I'm walking up the steps. Now I'm walking down the hall. Now I'm turning around. Now I'm looking up a staircase. The video moves pretty quickly. And at one point in the video, it was like a a minute and 15 seconds in. I thought, what the hell was that? And then about another 15 seconds later, the guy that captured the video backed it up. And it was a fully formed shadow, like a fully formed silhouette of a person standing in a doorway. Mm. And gone as quick as you could see it. I mean, it was there. And then when he flipped back, it was completely gone. That was in 2011. That was not a professional paranormal investigator. That was just somebody who was like the kind of thing we did this summer. Whether that was an actual, quote, shadow person or could it have been a reflection? And that's what it is, right? You have to decide for yourself. What do you think it was? Jerry, what did it look like to you when you looked at that? How convinced were you? 
I, w- I was 100% convinced that that was some type of a person or an apparition or, or something. I guess I immediately thought apparition more than shadow people because to me, there is a little bit of a difference. Was it more defined? Yeah, I think that's... It was think, very, very defined. Yeah, I think an apparition is more defined and, and that's what I saw it to be. But man, it was... There was no doubt the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, there's something just like you. There was something there. And then when it showed it back, probably watched that video like six times after you sent it to me. We'll have to post it on social media, too, so so folks can see it. Still in that building, the Mayflower, there was a room on the second floor. So when you go in, it's safe in some areas. Other areas are roped off where they're like, we don't want you to use this stairwell because it might not be safe. But we could go up to the second floor. We could go down to the basement. And on the second floor were small dormitory rooms. And they were originally designed to hold maybe two or three people. And at one point, when the overcrowding was so significant, they were probably cramming 10 people in a room that size. Each of the rooms looked the same. I mean, they were just these small rooms, probably the size of an average bedroom. And there was one room, I don't know why, but I was so uncomfortable as we looked in. And I remember saying to Jeremy, I just, I can't, I can't go in that room. There was very little difference between that room and anything else along the hallway. It wasn't dark. I didn't see anything. There was plenty of light, but there was just this horrible feeling of negativity peering in the room as if something really horrible had happened in there. Jeremy, of course, went in. Jeremy is the spirit magnet, so (laughs) I hate when he does that stuff. And when he came out, he didn't tell me what he sensed because he knew I was already freaked. He didn't want me to get any, any more freaked out. Have you guys experienced anything like that? I mean, either at Waverly or some of the other places that you've visited, not necessarily seeing anything, but just that over overwhelming feeling of something. I get that every time I walk into our bedroom. It's just a feeling of <laughs> dread and uh, just, you know, it's it's depressed. It's it's everything. So that's, that's when I get it. Now, honestly, I don't think I've ever had a feeling like that. I've been to a lot of places where I sense something, but I don't think I've ever had that overwhelming oppression that you get at some places where you hear people uh, saying when they walk into a place. But other than that, I mean, I, I kind of don't feel anything most places where I go to. I'm more like fascinated than a feeling of anything, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Tracy, what about you? Um, the only time I've really experienced that is when we was at the place in Bardstown. Um, Talbot Tavern. Uh, the Talbot Tavern. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I, I really felt a strong presence behind me as I was sleeping. I mean, it literally woke me up out of a sleep because I thought Jerry was behind me, but he was over across the room in another bed. I think that's the only time I've ever experienced anything, but it was pretty creepy. I didn't like it, like at all. <laughs> So I was talking to Jerry a little bit. There are some professional, quote unquote, ghost hunters and investigators who have visited Penhurst. (laughs) And one of them is Zach Baggins from Ghost Adventures. Hmm. I had never watched any of his shows before. Lucky you. I know that some people have very strong opinions about him. He did an episode at Penhurst. The one thing I will say that I was very happy to see is that He spent some time with people from the Penhurst Memorial Alliance. So that's an association that's focused on preservation, on telling the history, on supporting persons with disabilities. And I was a little surprised because, one, he seems like kind of a tool. So I didn't know if he would even make an effort to talk to those folks. And the other reason I was surprised is because at least here in the community, I think people have a perception that the Memorial and Preservation Alliance don't have much to do with any of the activities at Penhurst, like the paranormal investigations. Because when the new owners first 
started doing the Penhurst Asylum, which is a Halloween haunted attraction. Like you guys have talked about places like that before. Mm -hmm. They were not very happy with that. But they did participate in Zach Baggins' investigation, so I was surprised to see that. But that's about the only nice thing I can say about what I watched. It was pretty horrible. He was climbing over railings and climbing through broken windows to get into a building where he heard a noise. It was tough to watch because it felt like everything he was doing was contrived. Like at one point he's saying, chills are good and fist pounding people. I'll be honest with you, I was pretty damn skeptical about him as an investigator. It's no secret to anybody that listens to our show that I cannot stand Zach. I think he's completely disrespectful. I think he makes a mockery of the profession for the people out there that are really trying to find answers to things. I think he is 100% about himself and all about what he can do to profit from it. It's just my opinion on everything. You know, he, every show he gets possessed. That's just not possible. I'm sorry. I don't care if you could be the most empathetic person out there, but you're not going to get possessed every time you walk into a place. And I, I tell the story, we had a gentleman on the show by the name of Keith Lender, who's got the Bothell Hill House up in, in uh, I believe it was Washington State. And this thing was a huge story, and Zach and them came out to do a story on it. And they set up inside, and he said they were rude, they were crude, they kept wanting to set up stuff to make it look like things were happening it wasn't, and Keith would not allow that. So they pretty much just packed up their stuff and left and then said on the show that the house wouldn't haunt it. They couldn't find anything. And that was the end of it. So very spiteful. And he was very open about talking about how they're all a show, basically, on there. And it's not about finding answers and helping people out, which is, you know, what he thought it was going to be. It was just all about what can we do to make this show entertaining? And we really don't care about the facts. That was definitely the impression I got. We stuck with the show to watch when they were doing overnight footage because they called it a lockdown. And they showed one of the security staff from Penhurst screwing the door shut in the building they were in. And so they made a big deal about how they can't get out. They can't get out. And Jeremy and I looked at each other and we said, well, we've been in that building. We've been on the grounds. There is another entrance and exit to that building. So one, you're full of shit. But there are tunnels that run under the entire compound. So they were able to get from one building to another through these tunnels what was really upsetting to me was just how disrespectful they were. You know, something that I think is really important is, you know, whether you believe or you don't believe, I think there's just a level of reverence that needs to be demonstrated, especially in places like this. If you are at all a believer in the paranormal, I also believe that there's a level of respect that you have to demonstrate. If there are lingering spirits, they may not like the fact that we're in their space, right? They didn't invite us into their home. So we really have to be very respectful guests. They started high-fiving each other and hooting and hollering. And I'm like, I just can't take it anymore. I really couldn't take it. And I turned it off. There were some other paranormal investigations, footage of paranormal investigations that I found online. One was a group called Living Dead Paranormal. These guys were really considerate. They were really respectful. They also weren't wearing bedazzled t-shirts like Zach Baggins, so that was so that was a plus. They repeatedly said, we appreciate you letting us come here to talk with you. They would ask a spirit, if you can communicate with us, would you respond by knocking? Anytime they did get a knocking response, they said thank you. And those knocking responses come up in most of the, the videos I watched and most of the stories that I read. So it seems like... You know, there could be some people that think, well, that could have just been 
It's an old building, an incredibly old building, right? Filled with all kinds of debris. Could be a draft, blew something over, it made a noise that sounded like a knock. Sure, that's entirely possible. But for me, watching these other paranormal investigations that are local people that are more of what you're talking about, Jerry, someone that wants to be helpful or somebody that wants to help somebody find answers, in almost every case when they asked, could you knock to let us know you're here, you would get... I'm curious why that's always a go-to. Like, is there any kind of, is that part of the theory of paranormal investigation? Is that like a standard in paranormal investigating? Well, I, mean, I don't know, but it always comes up. I think if you listen to stories way back, I mean, even going back as far as like the Bell Witch, those types of stories usually involve some type of knocking or rapping uh, on the outside. And maybe it's just a, an easier thing for a spirit to do that doesn't take much energy. I don't know, but that's that's something, you know, if you look at most cases, they usually start off, the hauntings usually start off with some kind of a knocking on doors or rapping on doors. Tracy, have you ever heard anything like that when you've been at a paranormal tour? Any knock responses? The only thing I really witnessed was when we were at Waverly. I think you guys were there when the big door shut. Oh, yeah. Remember that? That was pretty yikes. <laughs> but... I don't think I've ever experienced the knocking. We had the thing at Bobby Mackey's. Oh, wait. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. We did have that at Bobby Mackey's. We had a lot of things happen at Bobby Mackey's, actually. It wasn't so much a knock, knock as, yeah. as it was um, like somebody had tossed a coin yeah. or something behind us. But there mm-hmm. was only there was five of us there. We were all in like a little circle all looking at each other. But behind us, it's like something had been tossed or something hit with a little bit of velocity. And you could hear it back there. But, I mean, it could have been rats or anything oh, else. We were in a basement. <laughs> we were in a basement area. No rats. Oh, no, no rats. Yeah, no. If I had known that, it had been the end of me. Yeah, me too. I think I, I think I prefer to see a ghost than a rat. <laughs> oh, yes, I would. I absolutely agree. What yeah. if it's the ghost of a rat? It could be. Yeah, but we did have that, and that was that startled us a lot, all of us, because, like Jerry said, we were all looking at each other, so it's not like any of us could have done that, and we were the only five people in that place. I'm not sure where that came from, but yeah, it was pretty creepy. There was some video that that one team that I mentioned, the um, the Living Dead Paranormal, at one point, one of the investigators was by himself in what I thought was an area of the Mayflower building we explored in August. So when we entered the building, you enter in a hallway, there's a stairwell off to your right. And then to the left, there's a doorway into a massive open room. And it had freestanding partitions that I don't know if those partitions were put up to make like pseudo rooms to put beds in, or if they were cubicles at one point, but it looked very similar to that. I think this man was in that space where we were. He was in there by himself filming and he heard footsteps and the footsteps were picked up over the audio that you could hear on YouTube Mm. and then repeated loud bangs. And they were all coming from the opposite end of the hall on the other side of this big room. And I'll tell you when Jeremy and I and my friends and just some other people that we walked past were in this room and looking behind all these partitions. When we got to the opposite end of it, it was just, we're all like, we got to get out of here. This is just such an overwhelmingly uncomfortable feeling. I don't know what went on in this room. I know a lot of what happened at Penhurst was just so damaging and neglectful to the children and young adults mm-hmm. that lived there. So I, I don't know specifically what may or may not have gone on in that space. So the area in his video that was pitch dark is an area that we saw during the daylight. And it was an area that we all just were like, no, we're not. Mm-mm. We're just not going in here for, for whatever reason. 
we didn't see anything. It was just a feeling that we all had. Mm-hmm. And that's where he was hearing these noises and, and they were being picked up on his video. And he was saying, oh, God, I don't want to go down there. I don't want to go down there. I'm in here by myself. I got to get one of the other crew members to come in with me. And while I'm watching it, I'm saying out loud, no, 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 don't go down there. Don't go down there. I know that's bad. Stay where you are. <laughs> like, like he could hear me or something. Right. And this video is from 2013. So clearly it's not even recent. So I want to ask if you have ever had any experience with clairvoyance. Well, I guess it depends on if the situation. If you mean on site on something, no. But we've got some friends that are mediums that uh, were, have been able to tell us some stuff via the telephone about situations that they would have had no way of knowing. I know you've had mediums on the show. One of the explorations that was conducted by a group called Visual Paranormal Investigators, this was also in 2013, they had a member of the paranormal team from Penhurst with them. She's a clairvoyant named Mara Siervo. And they also had two women whose uncle lived and died at Penhurst. He was only 21 when he passed away. His name was John Kelly. And they said they thought he'd lived there for at least maybe 10 or 11 years. Part of the struggle at Penhurst, and Jerry, I know you probably heard this in the first episode. I don't want to be too redundant, but there are families that they didn't have a lot of options, right? I mean, we know how people with intellectual, physical, and developmental disabilities were treated throughout history. And so Penhurst was one of the few options, and at least on the surface and the way it was promoted to the public was as if it was probably the best place in the world that would provide an incredible quality of care and education and compassion and treatment for your child. So these two women that were there because of their uncle, they talked about how their mom, obviously his sister, just always struggled with the fact that he had to live there and that he passed away there. And so they were hoping that this clairvoyant would be able to make contact with their uncle. So she spoke out loud in the room and they had recorders going while she spoke and she talked to him. She asked him questions in real time. As you watch this, you don't hear any response to her questions. She asked him things like, do you know that your family is here? Do you know that they love you? Do you know that they honor you? Do you have anything you want to share with your sister or your nieces? They brought him a bottle of Coke and the clairvoyant asked him, when you lived here, did you like Coke? Was it in a plastic bottle or a glass bottle? You heard nothing as this was happening live. And then they played back the recordings and you very clearly with a rough voice, but you could still make it out. You heard someone responding in context to almost every question she asked. Hmm. That's cool. And it was unbelievable. And she asked what, you know, who are you? What is your name? And you heard John, John Kelly. But again, it was like, John, John Kelly. It was a very rough, Mm -hmm. rough voice. When she asked him about the Coke bottles, what he drank them out of, he said he drank them out of glass bottles. And he said, yes, that he knew his family loved him. He knew that they were there. He didn't want his sister to be upset. And it was just, it was unbelievable that While she's having this conversation, you don't hear anything. But then when you listen to the audio as they play it back during their their investigation, you can hear responses. I I was blown away. That's amazing. I would definitely encourage people to check it out. Mm -hmm. Again, it's called Visual Paranormal Investigations. If you look on YouTube, search for that. And they listed it as Season 2, Episode 1. And these are local folks who have their own, you know, very small paranormal investigative company. That sounds pretty exciting. I think we should check it out. Well, I appreciate you guys jumping in and listening to me share some some ghost stories about Penhurst. Yeah, of course. It's so interesting. Yeah, it was, you know, like I said, it's definitely a tough subject, but it's got a lot of cool paranormal aspects Mm -hmm. to it. 
there's some people that, again, very much are like, Ugh, I don't I don't know that I want to know this stuff. Right. I just want to focus on what was done there and, and being it being a really reverent spot. There's some people that have said, you know, all the buildings should be demolished and it should be turned into a park, which isn't necessarily a bad idea. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the Preservation Alliance is working with the state to get ownership of at least one of the buildings that are still standing mm-hmm. and turn it into like a Penhurst Disability Museum. Yeah, I think to, that would be to, great. I think there's room for both. And certainly within, you know, your listeners, my listeners, lots of podcast listeners, they want to hear both sides, mm-hmm. right? They want to hear the history and, and the tragedy, but then they also want to know like, hey, what happened as a result of all that? Right. Is, you know, are there people lingering? And, and I think in this case, they're, you know, they're, they're very well may be. I got a question for you that ties into yes. something you said earlier. You said one of the buildings is now being used for, uh, did you say for veterans or something of that sort? Yes. So Penhurst had a lower campus and an upper campus. It, it was 1,400 acres at one point. And when it closed down, the newer buildings that were built anywhere between like the late 30s through the 60s, that land and some of those buildings were taken over by the Department of Military Affairs. One of the buildings was converted into uh, a home for veterans. Here's my question on that. And this is something that you may or may not have thought of. We did a story, and I can't remember the name. I think it's called Area 49. It's in Utah. But it it was an old hospital that is now used as a haunted attraction for Halloween. But half of the building is that, and the other half is still a nursing home. And there's a lot of uh, ghost sightings in the nursing home and on the other side that's the haunted attraction. But it made me think back then, and, and same situation here, if they see things in these homes, is it automatically dismissed as, well, they're probably going senile or they've seen stuff in the war and maybe they're not really oh, seeing stuff. Oh, I didn't stuff, think but, about that. So I'm just wondering how many of these things happen. And the same thing in some of these mental health institutions back in the day, you know, like the one that was over in Australia, Airedale, there was all kinds of different people that saw, said they saw things, but they were just dismissed because, well, you're not mentally healthy, so therefore that's what you're seeing. And so I'm just curious in these situations where you would have a haunted location where they would have the elderly or um, somebody that might not be uh, as mentally healthy as the average person, if these things are actually being seen and just dismissed. I have no idea, and I think that's a really, really incredible point. All of the paranormal, I shouldn't say all, but at least among what I researched, The paranormal activity has been reported in the lower campus, the area that's abandoned, not the area that's been taken over by the Department of Military Affairs. But that being said, I mean, all this happened all over the Penhurst campus. It wasn't just the old original buildings where the abuse and neglect happened, where people unfortunately died there. I think it's entirely possible there could be some activity in that part of the campus, too, even though it's it's now occupied for a different reason. Jerry, I never thought about that. Wow. That's what I'm here for, to provoke thought. It's sad, too, though, because you think about it, right, Tracy? Like, if somebody does struggle with a mental health issue or if somebody is very old, very late in life, and and maybe they do have some form of dementia or Alzheimer's, if they see something, to your point, Jerry, is it being dismissed? And she directed that to you because you're old and late in life. (laughs) No, that's not why I directed it to her. I directed it to Tracy because she has such a big heart and she's so compassionate. Oh, thank you. Honestly, I think when you think about it that way, it's really kind of cruel. I mean, wonder why they would do that when you, I mean, why would they do that? It's hard enough if they do have dementia or something like that and, and they don't realize what's going on. I just think that would be a scary thing for them. 
Yeah, I mean, it would be if you were if you were in a situation where you were already having issues, you would probably question everything as being mm-hmm. reality or yeah, yeah a figment of your imagination. Oh, that's sad. It is very sad. There's so much sad history around around Penhurst. There really yeah. is, and so much sadness that is probably at the root of mm-hmm. of a lot of the paranormal activity that happens there. It's heartbreaking. And now I brought us all down. Uh. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much. This has been so great. I really appreciate you coming on and just chatting with me. And uh, we'll have to do this again for sure. Of Absolutely, course. thank this you. It's our pleasure. Thank you, honey. I really appreciate Jerry and Tracy taking time to join me on Twisted Philly. Thank you to Emmy Sarah for the music you heard in this and almost every episode of Twisted Philly. You can find out more about Emmy on her website at emmysarah.com and download her music on iTunes. As always, thank you for listening. That's it from me. Ciao for now, Twisters.